You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Outdoor Class and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Outdoor Class is the new single source of premium outdoor education from trusted, knowledgeable experts. For hunters committed to improving their skills, Outdoor Class is the only subscription-based e-learning platform that provides unlimited access to video lessons from the world's most respected experts, covering topics across a hunter's entire journey. Learn from industry leaders like Corey Jacobson, Randy Newberg, and Remy Warren and other prominent personalities and organizations. Follow and subscribe to the Outdoor Class uh, at Outdoor Class Official on Instagram and Facebook and their YouTube channels. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Brewers, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your support when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you are listening. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I have with me Jamie Tagan, and Jamie is a wild game chef. Uh, <clears throat> Jamie works for 2% Certified Birch Barrel, uh, but today we are having her on to talk about the newly launched Outdoor Class. And Outdoor Class is a premium um, outdoor education um, platform, uh, e-learning platform. Um, and really it's, it's for hunters, uh, that are committed to improving their skills. Uh, it is the only, um, subscription based e-learning platform of its kind out there. Uh, it provides unlimited access to video lessons from some of, uh, the industry's, uh, leading experts in their field. Um, Jamie is joining us today to talk about the launch, um, of outdoor class, which, uh, launched just yesterday. Um, so you're going to have to be sure to check that out. 
Um, in Jamie's series, uh, she talks all about wild game cooking. And, uh, you know, one of the things we get into, <clears throat> and for a lot of people out there who maybe um, have less than positive thoughts uh, about uh, eating wild game, um, it's likely because it's never really been prepared for them uh, properly. Uh, so Jamie goes into that. Uh, she talks about her background uh, as a as a trained chef, uh, what that looked like, how she got into to cooking wild game, how she got into uh, the outdoors in general, uh, and you know really the the joys um, that the outdoor brings to her and her family, and what she really hopes to pass along in her video uh, and in her series. Um, you know, it's uh, Jamie and I have a lot of good laughs uh, throughout the course of the conversation, uh, and there's some really great takeaways um, throughout this as well for anyone that's kind of looking uh, to get into, um, you know, maybe uh, cooking their wild game, um, experiencing it or trying it if they have friends or family that are part of the outdoors, uh, or excuse me, the outdoor community, um, and. What I think uh, is is so cool um, about outdoor class and, and everything that you're going to see coming from them is they they break it down into you know lots of different videos um, <clears throat> to give you a chance to to really digest everything that they're saying. A lot of times, um, it, it's almost if you're not super familiar with a, a topic uh, or anything like that, it's it's almost like sensory overload. It's so much information that's coming at you. And in Jamie's uh, particular segment, she picks a recipe that's super easy, super um, uh, easy to follow along with um, and is a, is a great way for someone who is maybe on the fence uh, about wild game uh, or, you know, maybe they've eaten it, but they, they just don't quite feel comfortable uh, cooking it on their own. This is a great chance um, to, to check out Outdoor Class, check out Jamie's series um, and really try to uh, give it a go. So... Episode 106, Jamie Tagan from Outdoor Class. Enjoy, guys. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, I'm excited because today is is kind of um, a chance for us to, to talk about something that not a lot of people know about uh, or, or know a lot about. Uh, that something mm-hmm. is obviously Outdoor Class. So what can you tell me about Outdoor Class? Yeah, so the outdoor, outdoor class is a e-learning series. Um, a lot of people have heard of like the master classes for chefs like Gordon Ramsay, um, Thomas Keller, but this is geared towards outdoor. And so, um, yeah, I'm one of the wild game chefs for this first series that's coming out soon. And um, and then we have Remy Warren, we have Corey Jacobson, and of course, Randy Newberg. Um, and he does what he does best, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that guy. So yeah, we just uh, had, yeah, it'll be a fun series. Yeah. We just had Randy on the podcast and, um, yeah, just the most humble down to earth guy for, I mean, w- w- when we started recording or maybe it was before he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised you even wanted to have me on. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, why wouldn't I want to have you on Randy? He's like. I don't know. I feel like every time you're around him, you are like his best bud. Yeah. And I feel like in any of his podcasts or shows, like he makes you feel a part of it and he's so down to earth and just very nice. Uh, just a couple times that I've got to hang out with him. It's just like buddy, buddy, you know, and uh, he just thinks the world of everyone around him. So um, yeah, I'm excited that he's on this series. So yeah, so tell me, so outdoor class is a essentially an e-learning platform for the outdoors, um, yeah. kind of in a yeah. nutshell. So yeah. when were you approached? Um, I guess to be a part of outdoor class. Yeah, so I, um, gosh, so about a year ago, I had met the Go Hunt crew at the BHA Farm to Table. Trail, who was a part of that, approached me through Instagram. He just was like, hey, would you be interested in being a chef in this new platform that um, Outdoor Class is doing? And at that time, they didn't really know the name. So, um, and I was like, sure. 
And he goes, you're going to be hearing from the executive producer, Ryan Bailey. And I was like, okay, cool. And literally like the next day, uh, Ryan called me and I was like, listen, this is what we're doing. Um, heard a lot of great things about you. You're cooking. The Go Hunt crew has had your food and they raved about it. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And so we began planning all the recipes, um, some pro tips on just on my side of like, everybody spends money on a good field knife, but why not spend that in your kitchen as well to right. make your experience, you know, more, ex more, more better, I guess. And, um, and so, yeah, we did 11, 11 videos and we did that in January and it was a total blast. I, I had the best crew. I had never been in front of cameras like that before. And it was, it was super fun. So, well, I was just going to ask that was, what's it like? I mean, it's one thing to cook at home or cook in front of friends and family and stuff like that. I mean, even though they know that you're, you know, this amazing wild game cook <laughs> and you know, there's, there's maybe a little bit of pressure from, well, I guess maybe you don't really feel the pressure, right? When you're cooking for friends or family, but what yeah. is it like when there's, there's camera crews, there's people saying, Oh, like, you know, can you slide this way? So people can maybe like see the action of your knife or they can, you know, zoom in on, on the pan or something like that. What was that experience like for you? So the first day that we started filming, I did my introduction of who I am and my whys of cooking wild game and the importance and just the, how family comes into that. And I was super nervous. And of course I'm reading it. I'm even nervous, like reading it from a teleprompter, you know, and like my introduction and we did that first cut and then we did it again, like the last day and it was completely different. And just because I had gotten used to, you know, the cameras and where I needed to stand and where I needed to put my knife and the food and the pauses in between, you know, so they can get the special shots of, you know, moving from the, you know, the cutting board to the stove or like the grill and stuff like that. So uh, I got used to it and I just did what I was told. <laughs> so, uh, but the crew, honestly, I mean, totally made it. They were so easy to work with, and we had lots of good laughs. And I want to see, like, the bloopers. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so, the best part of any production, uh, the yeah. blooper reel. Yeah, yeah, I think there needs to be one. So, um, And I tend to laugh a lot, so uh, you'll notice this on the podcast. I laugh a lot, but... <laughs> Um, so yeah, lo literally lots of laughs filming and, uh, just a great crew to work with and they made it easy. Um, and I, I couldn't ask for any, anything better than that. So, yeah, because I think about some of the, the other guests that you mentioned or, you know, like Randy or Remy who have spent, you know, quite a bit of time, you know, filming hunts and, and being, you know, on that side of the camera yeah. and, and producing, you know, content, uh, in that mm -hmm. regard. But yeah, I wonder how that is for, uh, you know, like the production team, right? Like having, you know, working with people like I couldn't imagine if someone was going to record me doing anything, right? Like even like brushing <laughs> your teeth or right? like the, the most yeah. basic of things that you do, you know, multiple times a day. It's like, no, no, no. Hold the brush like this or hold it like that. And yeah. it's like, can I just brush my teeth? Like, just let me yeah. cook, right? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like the first two days. It was certainly something that I had to get used to. But then you just know your mark and where you need to be and where you need to look. And um, it, it just got easier as the week progressed. So like I said, the, t the team made it way easier than I thought it could ever be. So uh, I really appreciate them. Yeah. So can you give us a sneak peek or a little bit of a teaser, I guess, as far as, you know, what you're preparing uh, in your videos or, or some of the different things that you're doing? Yeah. So um, I was able to get outside and grill, which was great. I think it was probably 18 degrees outside, but it was sunny. And oh, so we just helps. made it work. <laughs> that certainly helps. Uh, yeah, so um, I have a really good carne asada recipe that I used, really authentic, the acidity and um, all the flavors that come together with it. I did it with elk. Um, my husband got a really great six by seven elk this year down in Wyoming. 
And so I got to use his elk in a couple of the recipes and he loves the carne asada that I do. And so that was one that I just had to do uh, for him and <laughs> it turned out really good. And who doesn't like tacos? So I did tacos, um, of course, with all the good toppings and stuff like that. And honestly, the recipes that I did, I didn't want to overcomplicate just because I feel like with wild game, people can overcomplicate it and overcook it. Yes. And that's where people get a bad taste in their mouth. Um, cook, overcooking wild game. And I think that's super important with the recipes that I did. I feel like they were easy enough that anybody could do them. And that's how I cook at home. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, I agree that, you know, a lot of people that I've spoke to who uh, maybe don't like wild game, usually after a few questions or just talking to him a little bit, it's because it wasn't prepared very well, right? It was overcooked. Uh, maybe it was over seasoned and you're just getting the seasoning and not the actual taste of the meat. Yeah. And I, I, I firmly agree with you, right? Like almost like keep it simple, uh, especially yes. with wild game because you know, the, the meat or the flavor, especially in something like venison, uh, which yes. a lot of people are like, Oh, it's too, it's too gamey. I don't like it. I mean, it's cause you're doing it wrong, but right. What would your um, your tips or your advice be to someone who maybe is maybe they're just getting into hunting or maybe you know they they're just starting to experiment more uh, with cooking wild game? What would you tell them? Do research on the animal itself. Um, secondly, really learn how to butcher the am animal properly so you get those nice cuts of meat. Um, Another thing, just like learn your temperatures. Yes. So, uh, in one of the recipes, like I go through temperatures of like testing it on your hand, like on a, in your fist and going through the process of what's medium, medium rare, rare, you know, um, yeah. Learning your temperatures because it's super important with wild game not to overcook it because that's then, you know, you get the gamey flavor, yeah. you know, quote unquote. And just <laughs> like, I don't think there's, there's a, a gamey flavor if you cook it right, but just learn, like, I, I'm not the only chef out there that does wild game, like go, go look up other chefs that do wild game because they have awesome tips as well. And just learn how they do it as well. I mean, um, I feel like I did some tips as well through my series, you know, watch the series. And, um, hopefully it'll change your mind. And my, my mother, she does not like wild game. Her dad was a hunter, but he did not know how to cook it. And so she, she refuses to eat it. But since my husband and I have started hunting, I've slowly introduced it to her to where she'll actually have like some, not like a whole meal, but some. <laughs> And she likes it. And I'm like, yes, but it's cooked right, you know, but I've learned to cook it right. And I've learned from other people that, um, you know, I, I like learning from all game chefs. I, I can always learn myself as a chef and what are those tips and tricks? So hopefully that answers your question, but yeah, no, for sure. So what was it that got you into wild game cooking? Um, so when I met my husband, um, I did not, I didn't like wild game. And it was probably just because my, my mom didn't like it. And so, and we didn't really have a whole lot of it growing up either. But when I met my husband and we took deer to a processor, like the first two years that I started hunting with them, we took it to a processor and, you know, got the steaks and got the sausages and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't very good. I'm like, this is really disappointing. And so after that, we were just like, we're just going to do it ourselves and I'm going to learn how to cook it right. And so going through that whole process, even like I hated mule deer, like I, I couldn't even stand the taste of it, but whitetail, I mean, that was a game changer for me. Uh, and we had had elk and bison and stuff like that. But once I learned how to cook mule deer correctly, I mean, even the whitetail, I was like, oh, this is really good. I, I can do this. And that's really to change it. So we do everything ourselves now. 
Is there a big difference? So I've not had mule deer before, but is there a big difference uh, taste-wise from mule deer to whitetail, or is it pretty similar? Um, I think there's a difference, but it, to me, it depends on time of year. Okay. Um, like pre pre rut to after rut during yeah. rut, uh, I think there's a taste difference because whitetail can also taste pretty nasty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but honestly, I mean. Again, back to cooking it right. I don't think it matters what time of season that you eat it. You just cook it right. And I think they taste pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. The the temperature is a big thing because up until maybe four. Yeah. Uh, up until maybe like four or five years ago, I didn't, you know, I wasn't using like a thermometer to check temperature, internal temperature on things. Yeah. And, and that was... Um, yeah, such a game changer for me where I was, I, I was able to stop guessing right on, yeah. on, you know, like I just think of, you know, like early on when I was, you know, much younger, let's say, uh, like, <laughs> like grilling steaks or something. It was like, okay, like where's the temperature, like the, the grill temperature, where's that at? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. how thick is the, you know, the steak or the burger or whatever it is? It's like, sure. okay, four minutes on this side. It's like, uh, flip it. Okay. Three minutes, <laughs> you know, and like, and I even think about like chicken, like how often, like in college and stuff like that, I was like cutting open, like there was like the sacrificial piece of chicken that you'd cut open right. and be like, yep, it's done. And then you could pull them all <laughs> off. Right. And now like I, to me, that's almost like a, a sac- sacrilegious to have yeah. to cut open a piece of meat before you're actually going to bite into it. Right. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> oh, so that's great. So you said, um, you got into into cooking wild game once you and your husband started hunting and yeah. then really kind of took it one step further and started doing all of the breakdown and everything of the animals yeah. yourselves. Is that something you're, you guys talk about, um, in your video, in your series at all? Um, a little bit. I, so if, when we do this again, I do would like to break down like a whole leg, just, just for general, um, because I feel like with a leg, people just toss it in the grinder and that's yeah. it. But there's so many great cuts of meat in a hindquarter or even a shoulder that you can use for multiple recipes and not just putting it in the grinder. Um, and so I like I broke down a heart in one of the one of the videos, and I love heart by the way. It's probably one of my favorite. I hear a lot um, of people say eat. that. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Um, so, like, I broke down a heart in one of my videos. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I use, like, a front shoulder, um, antelope shoulder in one of the videos. But, again, that's just, like, putting it in um, a sauce, like, crock pot and letting it render down with that bone in there, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's something that I want to do kind of in the nicer weather is break down like a whole hind quarter. Yeah. And I think there's, um, for a lot of people, I mean, one, it saves you a ton of money, right? You know, as opposed yeah. to taking someone, you know, taking um, an animal to a processor or breaking it down yourself. But I think it also yeah. helps you get um, an even kind of deeper connection to to the animal, to just, you know, hunting in general is... Yeah. You know, it's one thing to to harvest your own animal, um, but yeah, to, to to take that time and, and break it down, you have such a a, a better understanding. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And those yeah. are, I think, those are the things that really allow us as as hunters to to speak to maybe non hunters about you know why it is that you're doing what you're doing and yeah. you know the the importance that comes from you know harvesting your own meat because you know like I was just thinking like just the other day or actually just this weekend, um, I just ground up or I just cooked up some, uh, ground venison, uh, making some tacos. And just when that meat hits the pan, you know, right out of the package, like it's a color of red that meat from the store is not right. And it's just, it's, unless you've actually like seen the two side by side, it's really hard to compare and it's really hard to explain to someone as well. Yeah. It's so like, it's such a deep color red and vibrant and like, Oh, it's so good. I think, and going back to what you mentioned before is having that connection. Um, we have a seven-year-old 
and she goes hunting with us the past couple of years. And for her to see that process is also very important and she gets it. She'll eat any wild game we put in front of her, which is cool because not a lot of kids get to experience right. that. And out in the field, when we dress it with her along with us, like we're very careful on, on every, you know, taking everything because we're going to use everything, you know, and, um, like not wasting the fat, you know, <laughs> because you could use that fat. Yeah. Um, I haven't really gotten to making my own bone broth yet. I really want to get to that point. Um, we just really focus on, um, you know, the different cuts and, but yeah, it's you being connected to the entire process from when you get your tag to when you go hunting from when you dress it in the field and to when you, you know, bring it back home, butcher it completely and cooking it. And that's important for our daughter to see that, um, with us. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, uh, I have two young kids. My my oldest, she's five, um, but I guess not last year, but the previous year when she was only three, I mm-hmm. I brought her out to the deer stand with me. Like we just there was, I had zero expectations, right? Like I I brought my bow just because. Well, you never know, kind of thing, right? And she had this yeah. old little like recurve that was my wife's when she was you know probably like five or six years old. No arrows, like she just wanted to carry something out there to the stand, right? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, like you go out there and I have, again, no expectations on how long she's even going to last. But I had, you know, I had snacks. I had an iPad for her just to try to like keep her somewhat quiet. Yeah, all the important things. <laughs> yeah. The things that, yeah, are not synonymous with hunting yeah. and an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted her to, to hopefully maybe she would see a deer. Um, I mean, she lasted like 35 minutes and then, you know, she's like hanging out the window in the blind like oh let's go look for him dad i'm like that's not how it works with this particular type of hunting i love the enthusiasm but um but she's you know she's a few years older now and she's seen some deer that i've brought home um i kind of made that a point uh at one point to was for her to see it before it was butchered and everything because i i want her to understand you know kind of the the whole process uh, as best as possible and I realize at that age, it's, it's, you know, at five, it, it may be kind of hard to grasp, but yeah. she certainly, they, yeah, both my kids, whatever we put in front of them, they're going to eat. And even with like wild game, like they don't even bat an eye. They're just like, oh yeah, dad, this is really good. It's like, well, good. I'm glad you like it. We've got a whole freezer full. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool that, that you do that. And yeah, having things to keep them busy is important, but it's cool. Like our daughter, she... It's like, mom and dad, you, you can't kill Bambi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's super important to her. And we're like, we're not. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's fun getting your kids involved uh, so they can see what you're passionate about, you know, for one. So Yeah, and it gives you – It's uh, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of guests in the past, but it's, um, it's funny how that – you know, once you, you get to that point in your kind of hunting journey, um, mm-hmm. and then you you know you introduce your kids to it, the the expectations and you know what's a, a successful hunt, those those kind of change, right? Um, yeah. It becomes more about you know showing them the experience, and you know when hopefully when they get of age, giving them an opportunity to to harvest an animal uh, yeah. and do those things, and and all those first times for. For us that we had with, you know, shooting our first animal, catching our first fish, you know, whatever the case is. And being able to to witness them experience it is, uh, it's a real game changer. At least it has been for me. Yeah, it's it's so fun to watch that that whole scenario play out, you know. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. So you mentioned you got to, um, during your series, uh, cook on the grill despite the temperatures and everything like that. Uh, you actually work for Birch Barrel, correct? I do, yeah. In the series, uh, I got to cook on the Birch Barrel. Uh, I've been working for Birch Barrel a couple years. And so I've been a chef for a long time. Went to culinary school, was a chef uh, in Jackson Hole, Laramie, uh, Wyoming, and in Portland, Oregon, where I went to culinary school. And that is all very, it was great. I learned a lot. But cooking over a live fire 
is something totally different. And I've really enjoyed the last, you know, two years with Birch Barrel and kind of transitioning my focus. One, we talked about being connected with your food. I mean, cooking over live fire is like traditional. It's primal. I mean, that's like caveman, right? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. It's like going back to tradition and the flavor that you get off of cooking over live fire is just so good. Um, And it's nothing like a propane grill, nothing against it. I mean, we have one at the house. We have a Traeger at the house, but it's just something different about it that makes the whole experience kind of come full circle. So it's been really cool. Yeah. So I I talked, I had Roby on, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, before we started recording, uh, had him on the podcast and the whole idea behind Birch Barrel and really the the genesis of it is is a super cool story, right? That that Roby had told, and it seems to be that people's style of cooking, whether it's a propane grill, um, you know, it's a it's a pellet grill, or if it's you know yeah. an open flame, people seem to feel as strongly about those particular types of things like they do like politics or religion yes. or something like that, right? Like it's hard to like change someone's opinion, <clears throat> excuse me, uh-huh. on on their method of cooking. Which I think is 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 kind of funny, um, but <laughs> what is it? About, I mean, what is it about the the open flame? Aside from what you just mentioned, like because you're, it's almost like tying a bow on the whole hunting experience, right? It's, yeah. I mean, that's how our you know generations and generations back, like that's right. how they cooked, right? <laughs> that was the only thing they had to cook with. From a flavor profile, I guess, what is it? What's so different about the open flame as opposed to some of those other ones that I just mentioned? Yeah, so cooking with an open flame, when you place your, now it could be veggies too, I mean, when you place your meat though on the grill with the open flame below it, the fat that renders out drips down on the wood and charcoal, which then creates this fat smoke, which is aromatic, and it's coming back to the meat and veggies that you're cooking which creates this whole other level of flavor, but you're getting that nice crisp char on your veggies and meat or whatever you're cooking. And the flavor is outstanding. I mean, it'll change your life, I swear. (laughs) You're making me, I mean, we're recording this in the morning uh, and there's a little bit of a time difference between you and I, but I'm gonna like, we're gonna get done recording and I'm gonna go right into the kitchen because I'm getting very hungry just talking about this stuff. (laughs) good <laughs> but that's the the point you just made there about you know the the rendering fat and then it kind of going back into the whole equation even though it's off of the meat is something that i never really i didn't consider uh when cooking with an open flame and i mean i've also seen a ton of of birch barrel videos and things on instagram and yeah. whatnot where um i think you guys actually call it caveman style where you'll throw the meat right on right on Right, right on the coals. Yeah. Yeah, I actually did it last week um, with some, uh, like, baseball steaks. And we were just doing uh, just a couple, like, essential videos for our social media. And throwing those steaks, even veggies, right on the coals is so good because you are just soaking up that. I mean, what it does is that juice that wants to come out, because you're like, after you take it off the grill, you're starting to essentially rest it. Mm -hmm. But once you throw it on the coals, it crisps up the outside and it just soaks up those juices back in. And just seals it in. Any of it. Yeah. It just seals it in. And it's really, really good. And the, the char, like the, the wood or the charcoal, whatever you're using on the birch barrel, the coals are hot enough where that ash and stuff doesn't stick on the meat uh-huh. or on the veggies. That was my next and question. So a lot, yeah, so a lot of people are afraid to finish meat on the coals, but it's just so hot. And and the juice that is on the outside, it keeps it from sticking. Okay. I mean, it just slides right off. So you're not going to get that ash. You're not going to get that, um, yeah, like flavor. It's just going to crisp it right up and keep everything in it. Yeah. It's pretty tasty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 
I have to be careful when I'm watching Birch Barrel videos um, <laughs> just because if it's like eight o'clock at night or something, it's like, well, let's see what we got in the fridge here, right? Like it's, yeah. <clears throat> it's uh, very conducive to wanting to send you back into the kitchen regardless of the time of day. So we, so last summer we did, um, so Randy's crew invited Birch Barrel out to do kind of a cook-off and he had coos deer. And so he was like, Jamie, I want you on my team. (laughs) (laughs) Randy and I cooked a coos deer roast that his wife has like this special seasoning that she put on it. And I was like, Randy, we're, we're going to finish this like caveman dirty style. He's like, what? Like right on the coals. I'm like, yes. And I guarantee you it'd be everybody's favorite. And sure enough, like, like the true form of like the meat, uh, without adding any like extra sauce or anything, like it was everybody's favorite. So (laughs) I mean, there's something about it. So when you're doing that, how long are you, um, like, I guess, and this is more out of, personal curiosity than anything else when you're finishing it caveman style like that how long are you putting it on the coals are you rotating is it just like you know for a minute or so and then you're pulling it off yeah it's like 30 seconds to a minute okay you're just wanting since the coals are so hot already it's literally like a flash i mean it's it's like a quick sear yeah i mean you're just wanting like a really quick sear on it um it's literally 30 seconds like on all the sides Okay. So it's fast. I mean, you could do it for, I mean, it'll take you a minute to two minutes if you want to do all sides, you know, like even like the side sides, um, not just the, the larger pieces sides. Um, I mean, it's quick. It's super quick. Now, so. what, what temperature are you pulling um, the piece of meat off at before you, you know, finish it off that way? Yeah. So, I mean medium rare so like that 130 135 maybe not even that because it'll continue to cook right. when you put it right on the coals so we don't want to overcook it but yeah that medium rare okay what about well i guess from you know the cooking on on an open flame and cooking with fire did you have a lot of experience with that during culinary school or in your culinary travels leading up to birch barrel or was that something that you really kind of got um, introduced to once you once you got over there yeah so in culinary school it was all french i mean very traditional uh french cuisine we didn't grill on anything (laughs) so uh i mean it was learning your pastries it was learning the very specific cuts of vegetables it was, we did do butchering, um, like we did like a chicken and a hog, you know, like that's about as far as we went and it was a very short lived class. So no grilling whatsoever. I mean, like growing up, it was my dad that was the griller and that's really all that yeah. I had done. Um, even after culinary school, it was, it was kitchen. I mean, total kitchen. So none of this being outside type thing. Uh, I, it really wasn't until I like work, started working for Birch Barrel that we did the live fire cooking. Um, like my husband and I, we would do like smoke stuff, on, yeah. you know, on, on pellet. But uh, we've moved away from that just because we can do that all on the Birch Barrel. So, um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole idea behind the Birch Barrel is. I mean, it's just, it's so many things in one, right? It, which which is yes. one of the reasons I think it's uh, it's such an innovative and, and awesome um, piece of equipment is, is yeah. really just the versatility because you're done cooking and, you know, you've still got a flame, you've still got a fire, like, oh, well, let's just have a beer, right? Like, let's just yeah, hang around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, like last, um, like we just did a shoot for cool uh, cool clothing and we use a Dutch oven in it. We grilled on it. You know, we use it as a fire pit for, with the kids, you know, it's, it's all these things that we can do all at the same time. And you're not losing any space for a meal. I mean, you can literally do your entire meal on the birch barrel without even being in your kitchen, you know, until you eat. So yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. It's really cool. (laughs) So with your experience between outdoor class and your, your culinary background and then now with Birch Barrel, 
what is one thing that that still kind of uh, surprises you on a day-to-day basis um, through cooking or even um, I guess a piece of information that you you tried to pass along uh, you know in your e-series um, yeah. that that really I mean even if even if you've been cooking wild game for a long time like what's something that people can really take away from from your videos not to be afraid to cook wild game, I think is probably the most important thing to remember is just try it. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I feel like me learning different parts of the animal um, every like every day that I cook it, it is a surprise because it's like, what else can I do with it? How else can I simplify this cooking method so everybody else can do it? Because I don't want to be the only one, you know, cooking wild game all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be able Even to just hang I'm out and enjoy. Like, I want other people to experience that too. And I I hope with the series that people feel more comfortable to do that. Um, what I do love is BHA Rendezvous was just like a week and a half ago and I did antelope burrilla, which is like a Jalisco or Jalisco Mexico dish that is like ancho chilies and Caribe chilies. I'm probably saying those wrong, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like with this super hearty sauce, but I had never made it before. And I'm like, why have I not done this in the past? Because it was so easy. And it was a highlight of the field to table dinner. And everybody was like, how did you do this? I'm like, well, here's the recipe right here. You know, I brought cards for it. And I'm like, it's really easy, you guys. Like, don't feel, don't overcomplicate it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, and I want people to know that. And I surprised myself with that, like how easy it was. It's just, I, like I said before, I don't want to overcomplicate food. I don't want to overcomplicate wild game because it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, I think wild game part of it, like it, the word wild game scares people where it just, it just doesn't need to. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Um, how people will, you know, throw a steak on the grill with kind of reckless abandon, but whether it, you know, it's an elk steak or a venison steak or something like that. They're like, Ooh, I'm not quite sure how to cook this. Right. Even though it's, it's red, it's a piece of red meat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you overcook it, it's going to taste terrible. If you throw a beef steak on there and you overcook it, it's going to taste terrible. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just how it is. <laughs> so, so, as you've, you know, ventured along, um, you know, into into wild game and everything like that, and you, you kind of mentioned that, you know, growing up, you know, your mom wasn't a big fan of wild game. How was it that really, like, the, the outdoors in general? was really introduced to you and just, you know, hunting and all of that that comes with it. So growing up, we we were outside all the time. I mean, we camped, we fished, we um, skied a lot. Um, my dad was somewhat of a hunter. Um, when I was 10, he took my brother and I out hunting in... I was more of like the outdoors type person, like my brother, like he likes being in this, like in town. Like, <laughs> I mean, now like he has kids, he's like outside all the time, but I was like more of the adventurous one. And my dad took us hunting. I was 10, my brother was nine. And my, it was kind of my first like real hunting experience. Like we had gone out to my grandparents' farm and, you know, shot rabbits and pigeons and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> long time ago but this experience my dad had shot a whitetail and we let it rest like you normally do um, just to make sure everything was okay we on our way to go check on it we had heard another shot and at, at that moment I was like there is another hunter that killed it yeah and sure enough we found it. There's this other hunter, like leaning down to tag it, oh. and he, like, it's me and my brother with my dad, and he had no, like, didn't care that we had shot at first. 
um, that we had wounded at first. He bragged about all these other tags that he had. And, you know, my dad had this one tag. Yeah. And like that experience kind of ruined me until I met my husband. And like we, and then we got to experience what hunting is like, like real people. (laughs) Yeah. There's, you know, doing it right. It's unfortunate that, yeah, someone like that (laughs) ruined your experience or or ruined you for a really long time, right? Because, for a really long time. Yeah. It's, and so stuff like that, like, kind of gets in your head a little bit. And you're just hoping that you don't ever run into those situations again. And it never has. I mean, I hope it never will. But, like, my husband has taught me, you know, this is like how, how you should act and how you should, you know, be be a good hunter, um, you know, and us teaching our daughter to, to be like, don't you ever act like that. <laughs> you know? This is what not you to know, do. I, yeah. I've been in situations where I've had, um, you know, somebody purposely ruin my hunt, oh. um, which was a big bummer, you know, and to watch the whole scenario play out is like, you know, there are people out here that just, don't don't care you know and you know and that's the thing is it's people like that that ruin it for the rest of us or that give you know the the hunting community a bad name exactly yeah Yeah. and you just learn to like be the better person you know and that's that's important and to do things right yeah and it's important very conscious about the rules and you know following the rules very closely and so um, and not a lot of people have that conscience. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's important for our kids to see that too, right? That yeah. they grow up understanding uh, the right way to conduct yourself uh, when you're in the woods. Because, yeah. I mean, how easy could it be for a situation like the one you were in as a kid to, to go south really fast? Yeah, right? really fast. Especially, yeah. I mean, kudos to your dad for, uh, you know, handling <laughs> it the way that he did. But, you know, I'm sure that there's people out there that, you know, things get into a heated argument and now each person has a gun or some type of, of weapon. I mean, that that just has the the makings of a disaster really quickly yeah. if you get two extremely volatile people in a situation like that, especially, yeah. you know, in your dad's case where he's like, I, it's his only tag, right? Like this is mm-hmm. presumably yep. going to help feed the family, you know, through the winter, you know, into the next year. Um, and now he's just because, you know, the guy's a dick essentially right like takes it upon himself to be like no 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 this is my dear you know it's uh that's unfortunate that there's people out there that that act uh that way yeah but like on top of that despite like you know those instances we've had so many good experiences and what just makes us love hunting and being outside so much and having our daughter along with us to experience all of that whether it's skiing or camping you know we're we love rafting um and you know hunting so now did you grow up out west there or did you where 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 are you from originally i guess i'm originally from northern idaho okay um, yeah lewiston idaho is where i'm from did you say um, lewiston I'm, idaho yeah i'm from a small town called lewiston michigan I don't hear that name. I don't hear that word often. So when I do, my ears kind of perk up a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so very, funny. very small rural community uh, yeah. in northern uh, lower Michigan down here. Oh, so funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Lewis and Idaho, it's like right on the Snake River and Clearwater River. There's like a big confluence there. So bass fishing and steelhead fishing. Um, it's right at the mouth of Hell's Canyon. Mm-hmm. It's just a really beautiful recreation area. So, yeah, what I love is um, you mentioned, um, you know, skiing was a big thing that you guys did uh, growing up as well as a lot of people I talked to like that was they loved to ski when they were young. I mean, I I grew up skiing. Uh, I try to get out west at least uh, once a winter because um, skiing in the Midwest here is just not the same (laughs) at all. Like it's almost. Yeah, very, very different. but uh, it's just it's it's a great pastime, especially in the winter in the winter months yeah. when uh, you tend to want to stay indoors uh, right. most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So from a wild game standpoint, Jamie, 
what is your favorite wild game to cook and to eat, I guess? Mm, right now, it's antelope. Um, I have had antelope once before when my husband and I lived in Jackson Hole, and it was absolutely delicious. I had not had it since. I got, so I got my first antelope ever this year. Congratulations. And it was so exciting. Um, and since being able to, to cook antelope, it is so good. Why, <laughs> it is wh- so good. <laughs> what, what makes it so good or why is it, why do you like it more than like elk or, or venison or something along those lines? Yeah. I mean, oh, like elk is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with elk. I feel like elk is a very mild flavored wild yes. game. Yes. Um, venison, uh, I feel like it's pretty mild flavor, but you can get those like sagey flavors sometimes that can be overwhelming. Antelope as well. I mean, it depends on what they're eating and where they're at. But I got a Montana antelope, and you know, it's feeding out an alfalfa field. <laughs> yeah. You know, feeding on a sage and like, so those flavors I feel like make it very mild and not overwhelming. And you can literally do, I mean, cook anything with it, and it's just. I think it's full of flavor and it's just because I, I, I had only had it once before and being able to cook my own antelope, uh, has been, I just love it. It's so good, yeah. but I like all the other ones too. So. <laughs> good. Well, I'm glad you, you prefaced it with that, but no, I've heard a yeah. lot of people say, um, you know, how much, uh, how much they love antelope. You're not the first person I've heard, um, yeah. have that be one of their favorites. Um, it's, you know, it's it's an animal that I feel like has just gained more um, popularity or, you know, more yeah. eyes have been on antelope hunting uh, in the past, you know, five or six, maybe 10 years. Um, yeah. I think a lot of that is probably due in part to social media, right, where sure. people are seeing it, um, you know, more and more. But that's one of the things, uh, again, is people talk about how great it is. And a lot of people just don't have the, the opportunities to eat it. It's not as yeah. kind of readily available um, as, yeah. I mean... You can go into some, you know, restaurants and you can actually get elk or bison or, or venison or, or things like that. But antelope is not always on the menu in a lot of places. No, no, it's it's good. I mean, I was just so happy that I had the opportunity this year to, you know, harvest a couple of antelope and, you know, being able to experience how good it is and share that with other people, too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one thing I've, I've certainly uh, enjoyed is my friends that don't hunt, um, getting to, um, share that with them. Uh, yeah. quick story. I was over at uh, a buddy's house. This was actually last summer. Um, and I had a big piece of backstrap, um, from the previous year. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to come over. Like I'll bring some venison. We'll grill it up. We'll just eat it. Like we'll just eat it right from the cutting board. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we grilled it up and I mean, we, it, we were fortunate that it was cooked to absolute, like the way you want it. Right. And I mean, a, you know, people listening can't see this, but you know, a piece of, you know, backstrap that's probably, you know, eight, nine inches long, you know, I mean, we ate 75% of it, just the two of us just sitting there, just cutting it up, taking a piece, cutting it up, taking a piece. And finally there was like that little bit left. And he was like, can I save this for my boys in the morning so they can have some with breakfast? I was like, absolutely man like because they they don't eat wild game really ever um so for them to get to enjoy that i was like yeah absolutely that's 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 something that they'll enjoy yeah that sharing like being able to share is really important um because yeah like you said not everybody gets the opportunity to eat wild game yeah i feel like when they do though and it's like you had it on simply a cutting board. We do that a lot too, just because we don't want to overcomplicate it. And it's yeah. so simple, you know? Yeah, just... <laughs> and it's so good. Just uh, slice it thin and just, yeah, just one after yeah. another. And it's amazing how fast. You yeah. eat way more standing at the cutting board than you do if you put some on your plate, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's like a charcuterie board, right? Like yeah. it's grazing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
that that sharing your venison or sharing wild game in general with um uh, you know with friends and family who don't normally get a chance to uh a friend of mine calls that venison diplomacy right like getting <laughs> which like is, yeah which I, I i absolutely love the the uh that phrase i love it <laughs> so jamie before i let you go here obviously we're we're just coming into <clears throat> into summer yeah. Do you have any big trips planned for the summer or any big hunts that you're looking forward to this fall? Um, let's see. So with this outdoor class coming out, um, I have a couple of things with them this summer. Probably getting ready to, you know, gear up for the second series and getting those recipes together. Let's see. Uh, I got invited to Wyoming Women's um antelope hunt in october which i'm super excited about because one i get to uh it's women only and it's for first-time women hunters a lot of them oh nice but i get to do a class with uh freshly harvested antelope during that week and actually butcher it and do a recipe uh with this great group of women and that's in October, and I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Um, just to share, you know, that experience with them, getting their first antelope and processing that whole thing with them. And then um, I'm going to do it with the birch barrel, so literally, like, full circle. There you go. And that'll be really fun. Other than that, like, we pulled a Smith uh, River permit this year, which is uh, a big deal here in Montana. <laughs> so... Uh, we have that at the end of June that we're really excited for. It's a, a rafting trip, multi-day rafting trip. So Awesome. Um, I didn't pull any special tags this year, and we are waiting to hear back on antelope. Um, okay. So we have not heard back yet. <laughs> so. That's the thing. Like I, I, I always, like I, 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 that's one of the questions that I always kind of wrap things up with is, you know, what people have to look forward to, you know, this, this coming yeah. season. When I talk to people that live in Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, they're like, uh, like no big hunts. Like I'll probably just, you know, hunt elk, hunt mule deer. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to hunt. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to hunt whitetail. It's cool. Have fun guys. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's funny because I like size of an animal doesn't, it's, I don't need a trophy deer or right. anything like that. Just the experience for me just being able to hunt is enough for me. And so, yeah, I mean, anything that I can have the opportunity to hunt this season is a huge deal for me just to get out. So, I mean, we'll certainly try for mule deer and whitetail and elk. Um, I haven't gotten a um, either in Montana, so... <laughs> Well, there you go. Something to work for, for sure. Well, okay. I take that back. I'm sorry. I got my first mule deer in Montana last year, but I haven't gotten an elk. So, okay. uh, elk or whitetail in Montana. So, it's all right. uh, I look forward to those. <laughs> yeah. If, you're, if your husband keeps knocking over six by sevens, I think you guys are going to be all right, though, in the yeah. meat department. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, anything anything is important so uh and is a good experience yeah yeah if i was your husband i'd be like i'll shoot all you want if you're gonna if you're gonna keep cooking up that carne asada the way that you do (laughs) you're welcome in our home anytime (laughs) oh thank you uh well jamie thank you so much uh for jumping on and, and talking about you know your experience as a as a wild game chef and and outdoor class obviously and i'm i'm super excited to to see your series come out as well as yeah everyone else that's um you know putting together uh a series as well where can people uh find you uh outdoor class birch barrel where can they where can they find all that yeah so on instagram it's outdoor class um my instagram is chef underscore jimmy 09 now jimmy is a (laughs) a nickname that i got from my husband um, now my daughter calls me Jimmy, so it's just a going thing. <laughs> and then, of course, birchbarrel.com. There's, like, tons of recipes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, or just call me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I always like talking wild game or hunting stories, um, anything like that. Uh, Birchbarrel knives, whatever. So, uh, 
Yeah, always welcome. But. Awesome. Well, Jamie, thank you again so much and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Marcus. All right, take care. All right, well, thank you to Jamie for coming on and breaking down uh, <clears throat> outdoor class and, and her role. Uh, I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Go Hunt and Outdoor Class, uh, as well as 2% for Conservation. Uh, please be sure to go out and support the companies and the brands that support this podcast and help make it possible. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only conservation, um, positive conservation driven content landing in your feeds. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Um, be sure to check out the averageconservationist.com. Check up on all, catch up on all of the latest podcast episodes as well as grab some gear and help support conservation in the process. So as always, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you.